Welcome to the Lux Life podcast, where we talk about all things to do with navigating your best Lux life. We have today the illustrious Blue, who many of you may know from Wegbara's book club. Thank you for coming, Blue, if you'd like to introduce yourself. Hello, um, as Rihanna said, I'm Blue. I'm a project manager, an author, a member of Wegbara, and the host of Wegbara's book club. Um, yeah. Thank you for having me. No problem. Thank you for coming. We were so excited to have you, obviously, because, you know, the book club is now a fixture of the society. A lot of our members are part of it and love it. You know, I've looked through the book list that you've gone through so far, and we've had some really great picks. So if you actually want to start off with that, by how you actually go about selecting which books you want to read... Yeah, so um, the book club, like you said, is a proper fixture now. Mm -hmm. Um, We're on our sixth book of the year, which is People Person by Candice Carty-Williams. The idea and inspiration behind the book club was to just bring black women together to give us an opportunity to, you know, showcase our literary talent um, and also celebrate books that centre ourselves. Um, You know, black women, like all people, love reading Um, But there is a real disconnect between uh, finding books that centre black women Mm. and um, that showcase our stories in an appropriate way. I mean, one of my aims with the book club was basically to get us to read books that showed the the full spectrum of the black experience. Mm. So the idea that like blackness isn't just struggle and trauma, but that these things still exist in our lives. So I think it's all about finding the perfect balance. I don't think that books about trauma shouldn't be published. Mm-hmm. Um, black women can be, you know, victims of domestic violence, um, you know, victims of sexual abuse, um, and they deserve to, you know, share their stories. We can learn a lot from hearing about these things. But at the same time, um, if, you know, all black women are reading is about struggle, pain and trauma, we're going to think that's the limits of our existence. Of course, yeah. Um, and it's just really, you know, reading should be a form of escapism. Mm. And I want us to be able to escape into, you know, fantasy, into sci-fi, you yes. know, into being like heroes and princesses and love interests. Absolutely. And, you know, just get the full the full spectrum of what it's like to be black or what the possibilities are for a black woman. Um, so that's why the book club has such a, you know, a mixture of different types of stories. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we have How the One-Armed Sister Sweeps Her House, which is about a woman in Barbados experiencing domestic violence. Mm -hmm. Um, But we also have uh, I Wish I Knew This Earlier um, by Tony Tone, which is all about, you know, (laughs) um, all about love and how to find love and how to get the best out of relationships. Mm -hmm. We've got um, Honey and Spice by Bolu Babasola, which is a love story. Um, So we've just got, you know we've got so much it's not all you know dreary but also um we do you know highlight what the realities of the black experience and mm-hmm. some parts mm-hmm. of our life are difficult but they can also be luxurious fantastic inspiring uplifting romantic so, romantic yes, yes. yes. Um, so it's all about variety. That was, you know, that was the inspiration. And that's what we're trying to do. Absolutely. Because, you know, as you were speaking, I was just thinking about a conversation I had with, with a really good friend. And she was reading this book called um, Get a Life, Chloe Brown. I forget what the name of the author is. I wish I knew. I can't run off names like you can just now. <laughs> um, but she was saying, you know, it's it's really strange almost to just get this rom-com novel just about a young black woman who is the love interest she is the main character of this love story and it's such a simple premise and yet it's so foreign to us as black women to see ourselves in that 
vein. And, you know, I really want to pick up on something that you said that we can have escapism. We're allowed Mm. to do that. And why we feel, some of us, that we're not entitled to that. Why do we feel like we have to have everything be maybe politicized, everything be a representation of trauma? It's such a strange, I think, concept to other people sometimes. Yeah, I think uh, black women, unfortunately, um, our livelihoods have been politicized Mm -hmm. from a very young age. I mean, I didn't really notice the extent of it until Black Lives Matter. But when I was seeing all these young girls on the front lines of protests and, you know, being interviewed in magazines and newspapers talking Mm -hmm. about, you know, fighting to end white supremacy, I was shocked. Um, Of course, everyone needs to do their bit to make the world a better place for black women. And that includes us. We should be you know, the first people to speak out about our, you know, our oppression. Definitely. But there is a balance, there's a time and a place. Mm-hmm. And I think there's an age as well. And oh, yeah. for me, seeing such young girls um, being politicised, I didn't think it was a positive thing. People were saying they're so strong, you know, they're so intelligent. And I thought, well, they're children. They should just be allowed to be children. Exactly. I don't see uh, young white children. I don't see um, South Asian, East Asian or Middle Eastern children. Mm-hmm fighting for the rights of their people and they face discrimination as well yes because let's be honest their community knows that it's the responsibility of adults mm-hmm. um and you know to an extent men in the community oh. to really oh. <laughs> to drive forward change yeah um so yeah i just I, th- I don't think that's an appropriate thing for a child to be doing right and i think when you grow up seeing yourselves as a political activist only Mm -hmm. that shapes your entire identity it's time for black girls and black women to rest you know and we need to see and the best way for us to do that is to see other people doing that so i mean i have a love-hate relationship with Mm rom-coms i love rom-coms because i love to laugh and i love love yes but for a large you know for most of my life rom-coms made me feel quite negative there's a really Mm -hmm. interesting study that was done in 2012 um, about TV and film, uh, but it, you know the same concept can be applied to books. That said, when black uh, girls watch TV, they uh, they leave feeling worse about themselves. Right. When white boys watch TV or films, they leave feeling better about themselves. Yes, and it's because of the representation we see mm-hmm. in film and TV about black women. Yeah, you know we're put into two categories. Um, it's either the hypersexualized, um, you know red woman who just ready for sex ready for a good time you know yeah exactly or it's the complete opposite where you're just sort of like desexualized so like the mammy you're caring for everybody else Mm -hmm. um you're the agony aunt you're the The therapist the therapist yeah the supportive side character but never the love interest Mm -hmm. um and i did i do think for a you know when i was younger that did shape my idea of love and all sort of stories i I didn't really fit into either of those because I don't think of myself as someone who's hypersexualized. Mm-hmm. Of course, everyone has sexuality and I think it's really important to embrace your sexuality. Yeah. But I wouldn't hype, you know, deem myself a hypersexualized no. figure. No, that's not a good <laughs> yeah, thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but I also don't think of myself as, um, you know, the mammy or the agony aunt. Like, I'm, I'm the main emotions. character. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I deserve to be the star in my own show. Yeah. Um, So I was always like, well, where do I fit in? Where am I? Mm -hmm. And I think for the first time in a long time, we're really seeing um, positive stories about black women, especially as it pertains to romance. Mm -hmm. And that really is because of the growth of black female authors. No one can tell our stories better than ourselves. And thank goodness um, we're stepping up to the plate and Mm -hmm. we're giving a platform to be able to do this. Bolu 
Baba Sola is one of my favourite authors. You know, Loving Colours, brilliant. Can't wait for Honey and Spice. We've got Candice Carty-Williams. Um, they're both British. Um, I can't remember the name of the author, but Yinka, Where Is Your Husband, has just come out. Oh, I think I know what you're talking about, yes. Yeah, yeah. which is about a Nigerian woman who, you know, she's looking for love. Mm-hmm. And black women, we are, many of us are looking for love. We yeah. experience love the same way other, other groups do. Mm-hmm. So... I think it's really exciting to see a real change when it comes to black women and romance, mm-hmm. not just in like film and TV, but also in literature. So, yeah. yeah, I'm so excited for Absolutely, yeah, yeah. The change. <laughs> 100%, because I remember so clearly one time someone asked me, well, have you read Precious before? And we all remember the movie that came out mm. back in 2009. And I said, no, I haven't read Precious and I don't really, I don't really intend to. Because, yeah. I mean, even the movie was very traumatizing to watch. It was very sad. And they said, well, don't you see yourself in it? I said, where? Um, <laughs> Where? <laughs> Where? Like, my mother loves me, which, you know, hopefully most people have that yeah. experience, and it's a tragic one if you don't. Um, you know, I haven't been through even an iota of the abuse that that mm. woman went through, or that girl went through during um, the events of that book. So it's very strange to kind of be pigeonholed and mm-hmm. forced to identify with certain archetypes that you just simply mm-hmm. cannot. And I think it makes you almost feel like you have an obligation Mm. to stick to those things rather than branch out and be a different type of black woman, be your own type of black woman. So, you know, with that in mind, I know that you have an interest in making your own way and kind of forging your own path in the literature world. So what kind of ideas, if you want to share, of course. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I'm very passionate about, you know, sharing um, ideas. I think of myself not just as an author, but as a literary activist, Mm -hmm. because I think uh, change can be political and I you know I was talking about not politicizing our life but you know I'm an adult this is my choice yes so you know it's very different to me um but I so as an author I actually write children's books predominantly Mm -hmm. just because I think that the the most influential time in someone's life is their childhood yes and um growing up I was such a voracious reader like Mm -hmm. nobody read more than me (laughs) trust me (laughs) I was at the library every weekend I'd come home with my books and I'd read them through the week and I'd go again I'd go again scholastic book fair yep yep come on all of it (laughs) (laughs) but um I you know I loved reading but where where was I where were girls who looked like me Mm. when I was reading as a child there was one book I um had in my very early childhood called so much by trish cook i'm not mm. sure if yeah no. so i'm jamaican okay. and um the book was about a, a child from a caribbean family right um, a baby really and he it was all about all the different members of his family who loved him oh. and it was called so much because the mom the auntie the dad the grandfather would pick him up and squeeze him and tell him they loved him so much right and it was such a beautiful story it's a picture mm. book for young children but that really when i try and recall was the only book where a child looked like me right so it was read over and over again it's one of those books that you know if you're a mother and you have a child Mm -hmm. you're given the same book by so many different people (laughs) because (laughs) they all want you to have this book but there's only one and for me that's a big that's a big issue so why I decided to like focus on writing children's stories is because I wanted every child to feel represented when they pick up a picture book yes I wanted them to feel like they were the main character in their own life story mm-hmm. um, to see you know diverse representations of themselves yeah um, I want stories with black girls with black boys you know if it means having LGBTQ plus characters I'm all for it but yeah. like every child grows up to be you know, a different kind of adult and whatever kind of adult that is, I want them to feel like they've read that as a young child. Yeah. Um, so that's pretty much why I'm, what I'm working on. Um, 
my debut project is basically a collection of fairy tales um, that sets uh, fairy tales in different countries around the world. So okay. um, we've got Cinderella, but she's called Chioma, and it's mm-hmm. set in Nigeria. We've got a uh, Jamaican Rapunzel, and she has long dreadlocks. Oh, I love that. Yeah, we've got um, an Indian Little Red Riding Hood, and mm-hmm. she's walking through the jungle to meet her grandmother for Diwali. Yes. So the idea is basically that... Um, you know, fairy tales, they're so white and they're completely, um, they're not inclusive and they all, you know, they're very patriarchal and I wanted to basically revamp them and give, yeah. you know, young young girls who saved themselves. Mm-hmm. I wanted uh, black, um, Asian, Middle Eastern characters, just, mm-hmm. you know, the full spectrum of what it is to be, what it is to be a human. I want that yeah. in the book. So yes. um, that's what I'm working on now. It's newly finished, so hopefully... You know, you, you hopefully you'll see it on shelves very Ooh, soon. It's exciting. <laughs> yeah, yes, exciting. yes. Um, and after that, I want to do a um, nonfiction history book for children to really okay. understand African history. Wow. Um, I want to do a book that's about empires of medieval West Africa, um, all the way from like the Songhai Empire, the Mali Empire. Wow. Um, and you know, showcase some of the kings and queens that Africa Africa had. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so that young children can really look at themselves and not think of their history as limited to slavery right um, yes. but also you know royalty and mm-hmm. success mm-hmm. and empire yes um, and power and development because mm-hmm. those things did exist but so few children know about them so yeah, yeah that's really where my passion for children's writing lies that's amazing there's so many points that i want to pick up on with that i think starting from like the top you know even when you go back to fairy tales and you hear things like oh she was so fair Mm. it took me up until i think early adulthood well i'm still in early adulthood now but you know what i mean where you know i thought to myself they're equating fairness in terms of beauty and also fairness in terms of complexion yeah i did not register that consciously until way later in life i thought wow how did that impact my self-image and also the self-image of so many young girls mm-hmm. who are not European? And, you know, you can say, well, the Brothers Grimm, they were German and they came from whatever era they're from. So they could only imagine, you know, white children reading these books or hearing these stories. But that doesn't mean that we can't update them. Exactly. And modernize them. Mm-hmm. It, we can't keep resting on our laurels in that sense. So I absolutely see what you mean in terms of needing to make that more diverse. And I think that's also part of the oral tradition originally, wasn't it? That you Mm -hmm. update it and you can change it. And that's the beauty of stories is that they can expand over time. They don't have to stay the as they were when they were originally told way back when. So that's amazing. Um, And then also your point about having the nonfiction. And God bless everyone on Twitter who has seen... (laughs) (laughs) You know, the memes now of, you know, we were all kings and queens. (laughs) Listen listen some right. of us were peasants some of us were stonemasons some and of us were farmers right most <laughs> and of there's us no shame exactly and that's okay <laughs> my brothers and sisters in christ whether or not you believe in, in them or not is absolutely fine but we can't all have been kings and queens and i think there's that idealization and i think that's where the information comes in yeah um i can't imagine how long it might take for you to kind of get all that information together yeah it's been well, I'm working on it now and it's it's pretty hard work. So I want 10 empires, 10 mm-hmm. kings and 10 queens from medieval West, uh, medieval Africa. Yeah. Not, yeah. Um, and it's a lot of research because so many of these people have been, I wouldn't say scrubbed out of history, but there's not been a lot of research done on them. There's not a lot of um, writing, you know, even on the internet, things are so limited. Right. And I just think that's such a shame. 
Um, so it's pretty hard work, but I do think children deserve deserve to know mm-hmm. where they really come from. Like yeah. it's so so important. I yeah. mean, sometimes I talk to you know, like I said, I'm Jamaican. Sometimes I talk to other Jamaican, mm. um, whether they're adults or children, and I talk about our history, and they just have no clue. And I think it's no. so disappointing. You know, um, I don't know if you've ever seen the, the Jamaican coat of arms, but there's two people on it who have like red skin, and mm. people will say, "Well, who's that? They're not black." And I'm like, "Oh, for goodness' sake!" Right, exactly. The original people of the Caribbean were not black. No. We were bought there as slaves. Yes. The original people, you know, they're called the Taino people. Mm-hmm. Um, they are sort of the the equivalent of the Native Americans. Yes. Unfortunately, they they're no they're longer with out. us. They were wiped out. Yeah. But so many people don't know that, and I think that's. I think it's very alarming because if you don't know where you come from, you don't know where you're going. Right. So, yeah, I think, you know, giving children an accurate depiction of their history is so important. And you're right, it should cover everything yeah. from kings and queens to farmers and stonemasons because that that is the reality. That's, you know, not everybody was rich, yeah. but not everybody was a slave. No. You know. With no identity. No, yeah. exactly. Yeah. yeah. So that's what I really, I want to give mm-hmm. the children of today. If that could be my, mm-hmm. my impact, yes. I'd, be, I'd be very happy. That's incredible. Yes. Because, you know, you were talking about the book that you had so much that stuck with you. I had one that stuck with me. And the crazy thing is I cannot remember what it was called. I wish I could <laughs> because it was such a simple story as well about just this black family. And I think we got the book. My mom got the book for me. Love my mom. Um, <laughs> when we were in the States and it was just this black family. And I have it imprinted in my mind, the visuals of all these black characters. And it was so vibrant and beautiful, the imagery. Um, I think they were cooking dinner together. And so it was just kind of a counting book of yeah. counting the various items they bought. But even that has stayed with me because I just remember that being such a beautiful book and it stood out among all the books I read because I loved to read as well when I was younger and now I've kind of re-found the, the enjoyment of it now as an adult again. So I just wish that, you know, more kids could have that. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. I love that it stood out to you, but I also don't love that because, you know, if there it were should've. more of them, yeah, <laughs> it would just be, you know, standard. So, yeah, yeah I, think we've, I think we've come a long way. Don't get me wrong. I look in book sh- uh, bookshops today and I see so much more in terms of diverse fiction mm-hmm. um but we still have such a long way to go i mean right. just putting a black character in a story whether it's a film or a book is not enough right um i don't know if you've heard of the bechdel test so, so yeah yeah it's it was created by like a feminist and mm-hmm. the idea is that uh in a film a book or you know whatever just a work of fiction mm-hmm. are there at least two characters who are women who talk to each other at least once about something other, other than, than a man. man. Yes, yes, yes. yes. <laughs> and it's, most films, most books don't pass don't that do test yeah. because the way women are presented in fiction is, you know, everything about us is to do with, to do with men. Like, that's mm-hmm. our only concern, that's our only desire, we just want a man. Yes. And of course, you know, we, we do want healthy, happy relationships, but mm-hmm. there's so much more to us. Yes. And I think, um, you know, we have the same issue when it comes to race. How many times in a story are there people of colour who talk about something other than whiteness or white supremacy? Mm-hmm. Hardly ever. If there's a black, two black characters in a film, mm-hmm. they're sort of taking the role of like the anti-racist, yes. like doing the work against racism. Militants. Yeah, yeah, when there's so much more to us as black people. And if we sort of conflate those two ideas together, it's even worse for black women mm-hmm. and the way that we're presented in films. Yeah. I mean, if I could come up with my own test, <laughs> I'll call the Blue Mackenzie test. You're, you've heard it here first. <laughs> it would be, is there at least one black monoracial woman mm-hmm. who isn't struggling financially or romantically in a work of fiction? No. Wow. 
And don't get me wrong, I know rom-coms often have uh, women who are looking for love, who was, who've struggled previously, and there's nothing wrong with having characters who are struggling finding love. Mm -hmm. But in white rom-coms, when you have the main character who's maybe having a hard time, there's always another character, whether it's the sidekick, mm -hmm. the mother, the friend, you know, the teacher, mm. who is in a satisfying romantic relationship. There's always somebody who's yes. happy. That's not the case with black films. If the main character's struggling, all her friends, all her family, they're all struggling too. Yeah. We've got women who are either in relationships where the men don't claim them mm -hmm. or the men, you know, they're single mothers and you know, there's nothing wrong with any of those things. Yeah. But it's important to showcase that women can be in healthy, happy, well-rounded relationships too. Yeah. If they are in a happy relationship, then they're struggling financially. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> they're oh with a man God. who can't provide or, you know... Um, I think a common trope in black rom-coms is the sort of uppity black woman who thinks she's better than everybody else. Mm -hmm. And the only way for her to find a man at the end is for her to massively reduce her requirements. Bring it all down. And bring it all the way down and settle for someone who doesn't meet her, her standards. Tyler Perry. <laughs> Honestly, Tyler Perry has set that as a standard for black films everywhere. Defund Tyler Perry. Mm -hmm. That's my mantra. Like. He has to go. <laughs> And that's not the reality. Mm -hmm. Black women, of course, should be open-minded. Everybody should be open-minded. You know, nobody's perfect. But finding love doesn't have, doesn't mean having to, you know, completely, like, devalue yourself. It doesn't mean throwing out your list of requirements. It doesn't no. mean finding someone who's not your equal. Other groups of people mm -hmm. are allowed to date their equal. So what's wrong with us doing the same thing? Of course, so absolutely. I think... As well as having more diverse stories, mm -hmm. I think it's really important how our characters are shown in these stories. Yes. And like I said, the only way for us to do this properly is for us to do it ourselves. Mm. We can't trust the likes of Tyler Perry. Not exactly. <laughs> We've seen that. Nope. So it's up for up to us as black women to, you know, push our stories to the forefront. So, you know, I love seeing books, films, TV shows. When I see a black woman as the main character, I get so excited, but I get even more excited when I learn that there's a black female writer. Because then yes. I'm like, ooh, it's going to really... Yes. But we're going to see what we need to now. Because Absolutely. whether it's um, white people or men or, you know, even black men sometimes writing mm -hmm. our stories, it's very rarely done properly. Right. So. Yes. Yeah. And I think it's so true what you were saying about black women always have to be super militant in certain mm. situations to do with anti-racism because one book that I really loved that I read last year was um, Such a Fun Age by oh, Kylie yeah. Reid. Yes, loved that book. And I think I really loved it because the main character, she takes the position a lot of the time of, I just want to be. Mm. I don't really know where I'm going right now in life. She's young. I think she's about to turn, to, about to turn 26. Um, and she's just like, I want my health insurance. I want peace. <laughs> And that's it. I don't really know how to navigate the situation because for those who don't know, the main premise of the book is that it all starts with uh, Amira, the main character, experiencing racism in a supermarket with the child she's babysitting. Mm. And then it becomes a whole incident that goes viral on the mm. internet. And she doesn't want to be at the centre of that. She doesn't want to be, you know, with her fist in the air and her mouth open, like, marching on the street. She just kind of wants to move on with her life. And I think that's so important because... Had a, someone else that wasn't a black woman have written that, they might have made her into mm -hmm. that character who did want to be on TV shows and who did want to be creating a whole kind of movement out of her experience mm -hmm. or joining a movement, you know? And I think that, that we're allowed to have that indecision. We're allowed to not really know 
where we're at in life at the moment we don't have to constantly be like a straight hour where we know exactly what's next and be two steps ahead that's not our job all the time yeah i think coming of age stories are you know particularly poignant Mm. and we have so few black coming of age stories yes but yeah that 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 phase in your life where you just don't really know what you want like don't know what you want in terms of your career or romantically you're just finding your way you know Mm. i mean i feel like we've all been on that journey Mm. i'm just coming out of that journey <laughs> just now <laughs> where I'm like okay cool I've got what I wanted career-wise like you know I'm building I'm building yeah but for such a long time in my life I just didn't know what direction I wanted to go in you yeah. know I graduated and I was like well I did philosophy at university okay. which I loved but it's one of those degrees that you can do anything with which sure. is a blessing and a curse I yes. was like well, yes. what am I going to do next and I was just sort of I was at sea mm. in all honesty I really was and that point in my life was so difficult but it was it shaped who I who I am now and probably who I'll go on to be in the future mm-hmm. but those coming of age stories you know there's so few of them and it's great to hear you know of this book where there's a black woman who's just like I don't really know I don't know right um we need more of those we Absolutely. don't need you know we're not black women aren't like robots no we you know we have indes- we're indecisive we have fear emotion we, yeah you know, we're emotional um, and I just want us to be given the space, um, both in fiction and in real life, to just to be that way, like to just be that way. Yeah, I think what I want is just to showcase that we're not a monolith. There's so many different types mm-hmm. of women, so many different types of black women, and mm-hmm. everyone is different. But what we only see is one small portion yeah. of blackness. Yeah, of course. And so I think my next question that I'd love to ask you is, you know, whenever you're ready to start sending out to publishers and editors and things do you think that you'll look for for example agencies that have already published a lot of black authors or maybe even find a black owned publishing company i don't know (laughs) if we have many of those in the uk i'd love to know well so i have started sending out uh sending out my book already Mm -hmm. um and it's it's a really interesting process so in terms of only looking for black publishers or black literary agents, I don't want to pigeon my whole pigeonhole myself too much. Yeah, I'm happy to take an opportunity that comes my way if it's the best opportunity for me. Right. If that means going on the journey with a black literary agent or a black publisher, that would be even better mm-hmm. because I do believe, you know, as black women, I want to share my success with other black women. Sure. So if I end up having a bestseller, <laughs> I want to see crossed. a black woman that represents me doing that, so yeah. she can take a share in the profits too. You know. Mm-hmm. That's the way that we uplift one another is, you know, sharing the, sharing our fruit with one another. Yes. So definitely that's my preference. But at the same time, I'm so aware of how difficult it is as a black woman, mm-hmm. I'm a black person in general, to break down the door of publishing. Right. So I have to keep, a, you know, an open mind. Um, I'm so aware of just how white publishing is currently and yes. how many steps the publishing industry needs to take mm-hmm. in order to become more diverse all the way from, you know, children's literature to adults literature it's it's just not good enough Mm. um in 2020 more books were published with non inanimate characters so like a talking teddy bear or you know a pair of magic trainers Mm. than there were with black characters in them you're joking yeah it's awful (laughs) awful so a black child is more likely to pick up a book that has you know a chair that can speak (laughs) than they are to see a book about themselves that is insane yeah and it's it's horrific and we don't i think a lot of people don't think it's a big deal but it is it is my friend works for a book charity Mm -hmm. and one of the things she told me is um 
black people are like half as likely to pick up a book after finishing school than their white counterparts Mm -hmm. and it's because the relationship uh between you know blackness and books at such an early age is just negative right um they don't see themselves represented Mm -hmm. the only books they read at school that represent black people are like to kill a mockingbird exactly or um like the bluest eye which by the way i love one of my favorite books don't get me wrong (laughs) (laughs) but those should not be the only books children are reading in schools about black blackness yes so if we had you know if the curriculum was just more diverse mm-hmm. and not just more diverse but also show the truth the full spectrum of blackness mm. maybe those children would have a better relationship with reading after they finish school like, i agree yeah because so. I, I can't imagine how many black kids had the experience when they were in school where you're reading to kill a mockingbird or whatever mm-hmm. book it was and they said the n-word <laughs> and tell me why you got half the class looking at you face exactly your front. face your front why are you looking at me <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh i went to a predominantly white school and we read to kill a mockingbird and while i think it's one of the greatest books written i would not like revisit that experience no. for a million pounds like <laughs> it was horrible the n-words being thrown out every second people are like uncomfortable they're looking at you mm. then there's the awkward like oh you know i wouldn't be like that if i was born in that time or you know blue how does that make you feel why are you asking me how that makes exactly. me feel how does it make you feel you're yes. the perpetrators in this situation right. like, like i'm my... a delegation of black people exactly okay. and i don't speak for everyone anyway mm. so it's just a, it's a horrible experience and if that's if that's how you view reading mm-hmm. how are you going to go on you know when you're out of school yeah and walk into a bookshop and you're going to think that's the that's the experience of reading. Absolutely. So I think that needs to, to change. And that's why, like I said, I'm passionate about children's writing. Because yes. I think the earlier, the better. I mm-hmm. want children to pick up a book, have a brilliant and happy relationship with reading and continue that well into their adult life. Because, you know, the, the effects of reading are monumental. Like mm. reading doesn't just improve, you know, your vocabulary or literacy. It improves maths. It's mm-hmm. good for your mental health. Yes. They're so positive and they're Countless. so varied. Yeah. Yes, yes. So I just want black children to have a good experience with, with books. Yeah, that's yeah, that's my mission. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Okay. So I guess my last question to you would be, because this has been an amazing conversation, would be, you know, if there was one book that you wish that you had written. <gasps> oh, my goodness. What would it be? What would it be? I must admit, Love and Colour. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Follow. She it, she was my inspiration actually in writing my fairy tale really? book. Yep. So full credit goes to her. Aww. Love her. I saw the book. I saw that you know there were all these stories that she'd you know interwoven with black characters, and I was like, wow, I I wish I'd done that. Yeah. I wish there was something like that for children. Yeah. Like, what are children reading? And I realised they're reading fairy tales, mm-hmm. and there are no black characters in those. And I thought, well, I should do what she's done, but for fairy tales and for children. So yeah. she's totally my inspiration. I give you know full recognition and props to her for that i loved sleeping beauty as a child it was Mm. my favorite fairy tale i loved the disney film i loved the story and my mom says to me now if she if she wasn't if i was a young child now Mm -hmm. that she would never have like let me read those she would never have um let me watch those disney films she thinks they've had nothing but a negative impact on me and i think to myself have they but when i really think about it maybe they have maybe they did like you said 
Snow White, fairness equating to beauty. Right. That's 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 not that's a good bad. thing. It's yeah. very worrying. Exactly. I don't want my young daughter when I have one, or if I have one, <laughs> to grow up and think that. I want her to right. to think that beauty is all different kinds of things. You know. Yes. Like in my Rapunzel, it can be long, thick dreadlocks. Yes. Um, it can be you know thick curly hair that Shioma and my Cinderella has. Right. You know, it can be dark skin. Um, you know, it can be full lips and. Uh, a wide nose, like the mm-hmm. features that we as black people have, that those are beautiful. I want her to see that. Absolutely, one hundred percent. Yeah, I love yeah. that. Yes, well, <laughs> who knows? Maybe in future, you and Olu could do like a little collaboration. Oh, That'd yes, <laughs> well, if you're listening, I'm here. Hit her DM up. me. <laughs> And do you actually want to drop your Instagram or yes. any of your contacts? So uh, I don't have Instagram, but mm-hmm. I have Twitter um, where I tweet about literature and also life. Um, so follow me at Blue is Writing. Mm-hmm. Blue is B-L-U, no E, is writing. Um, yeah, just to hear my thoughts about, you know, books, current mm-hmm. affairs, um, dating, news stories, you know, everything. I, I, I share it all. So yes. yeah, follow me. <laughs> get the tea, get the tea. Follow her, follow her. Yes. So thank you so much for coming in to You're speak welcome. with us today. Thank you for having me. me. This is an amazing conversation. I love to speak with people who are passionate about things yeah. and literature is something that you can really fall into a whole different world mm. and really just get taken away. And it is an escapism that's so simple to have and everyone deserves it. So I'm so glad that we were able to get you in and speak with you today. Yes, thank you. All right. And if any members have not yet joined the book club, yes. join the book club. It's not too late. To There's a brand new book each month. You don't have you don't have had to read the last book. So you know the time to join is now <laughs> the time to join is now yes get it absolutely for holiday reasons as well because holiday books mm-hmm. you need them when yep. you're on the beach or something <laughs> yep exactly thank you so much blue thank you all right and thank you all for listening to the lux life podcast we hope that you tune in for our next episode and until then have a great rest of your day thank you bye